Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Online church with Shofar Johannesburg, that's where you are. My name is Vanna Yubat and I'm actually a pastor of a local church in Secunda, Shofar Christian Church. And my friend pastors a lovely church in Johannesburg, Shofar Church, Johannesburg. And this is the internet we don't know where this ends up. But to any everyone in Shofar Johannesburg, it's nice to preach to you guys again. You guys know me. I've been to your congregation many times. And if you find this somewhere else in the world, I trust that through the Spirit of Jesus, you will be blessed today by the word that God has placed on my heart for Shofar Johannesburg. I want to pray for us. Father, I want to thank you that you always make a way And I want to thank you that even during this lockdown in the year of 2020, the month of May, you have made a way for the church to be the church, to hear your word, to share it with one another and to share it with other people. You surely are God. And Lord, we just give our lives to you, our minds, our spirits, our hearts, and I pray that you will impact us deeply today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to talk today about Jesus in your prayer room or Jesus in your prayer life. Uh, This week, uh, Rabbi Zacharias passed away, one of the greatest apologists ever to walk the face of the earth. And and I watched this video clip that um, just had a few of his highlights. At one moment, he said, if you want to know who you are, you have to know who made you. Um, and it, and it, just, it just struck a chord in my heart. I also, I also was reminded about this one character my wife and I saw in a movie. And uh, it was his son and he was looking for his parents. And um, he had this massive drive to, to find his family. And at one stage, this character said, I just want to know who I am so that I may know how to live my life. It's the question of, of being man, who made me? Who am I? Where am I going? It's a question of identity. And it's a, it's a wide question. We see it in movies. We see it in television. We see it in books. And we see it there because God placed it in us. It is important for us to know who we are, who made us, and, and, and where we come from. And then so that we know how to walk in the direction we ought to, that we might have a purpose in life. One thing that I believe with all my heart is if we look at who the Bible teaches us Jesus was on earth and forever will be, we get a greater understanding of who we are, how we ought to walk and how where we need to go with our lives. But one thing that fuels our lives that is like oxygen and food like bread and water for the Christian is prayer. And I want to hold this before you today. If we today look at Jesus in theological circles, this will be called the doctrine of Christ. Who is this Jesus? It will help you understand a few things around your own prayer life. And once you get this, it will motivate you to pray more often and to pray with faith. And that is what we're going to head in today. Who is this Jesus in my prayer room or in my prayer life when I pray? Now, God knows how to 
break our brains. And many times in the scriptures, which we know can never contradict and are always true, we, we see two things. We, are, we observe two things and it seems like they are contradictory, but they never are. There's just this place in our brains where we accept that what God says is always right and true. And often, sometimes as we grow in him, we understand, oh, now I see what we initially take by faith. Sometimes we understand a little bit later. But other things is just too big for the human mind to fully comprehend. And one of those things is, how can a man be fully God and fully human? I mean, how, who, who comes up with such a concept? It, it was God. And it is one of those brain breakers where you can lay in your bed at night and try and think, think. And the more you think of it, the deeper the layers go. How can Jesus be fully God? and fully man. It's an incredible concept. And this would be called the doctrine of Christ, the humanity of Christ. On the other side will be also, how could Christ be fully God? And today we're going to focus a little bit more on Jesus and his humanity, because it's got great lessons for us to learn, especially when it comes to prayer. Um, I'm reading um, out of the ESV Bible, if, if you want to follow. Matthew 1, verse 20 um, Joseph was was engaged to a woman, Mary, and Mary then fell pregnant. And Joseph, like any man that did not sleep with his fiancée, had doubts about this marriage. And he, he was consider, considering not marrying Mary. And then the scripture picks up, it says, as he considered these things, maybe to leave her, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Spirit. And so we see the start of almost the doctrine of Jesus as a human, that an angel comes to the man engaged to Mary to say, listen, what has impregnated Mary is not from man, it is of the Spirit. And this is very, very important for us. In Psalm 62 Verse 1, the psalmist writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes salvation. And so we get this verse in Psalms that states that salvation is of the Lord. And then in the New Testament, as the angel appears to Joseph, it says, listen, what happens to Mary is of God. It's of the Spirit. It's not of man. And this is very important for us. Because the cycle of sin that keeps man in sin, the cycle that started with Adam, which makes and causes each and every one of us to get born into this world sinful. We, we see it with babies. We don't have to teach them to sin. They are born. It's get, the sin from Adam gets imputed into every child and that gets born. And then this cycle gets divinely interrupted when Mary falls pregnant with Jesus, and we see a baby that will be born through a mother, but was conceived not from earth, but from the Spirit itself. The cycle gets interrupted. This is very important, and it is, it's actually amazing that um, God just knows exactly how to present Jesus to the church, both, both man and God, because there's some other ways maybe God 
could have done this. Imagine Jesus came on a cloud and and, 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 and people saw this cloud, maybe 500 or 1,000 people, or if it was in the temple, thousands of people see, oh, what's, what's going on here? Here's a man on a cloud. And as he descends, he says, I am Jesus, the son of God. People would say, yeah, man, he was a man. He ate fish. He had a digestive system. He had water and food with us. He maybe had to go to the bathroom. But we know that he's actually more God because he came on a cloud. He took the form of a human body, but he was actually God, the way he thought, the way he felt. And if Jesus was was maybe born through a woman, but then at one stage, maybe at the age of 13 or when he got baptized or at the age of five, an angel came and, and he touched Jesus in a certain way and something changed in him. Then it meant he was man, but he became God. And, and, and these are, are actually examples of theories that has been around for many years. All of them um, proven unbiblical because Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Hard to believe. But by faith, as we accept this, more and more things make sense. Let's let's jump into it. So I'm spending some time to explain the humanity of Jesus because I'm going to end with a few conclusions that I believe is very impactful to the prayer life of any believer. Now, one of the reasons Jesus had to be fully God and fully man is Jesus needed to represent man to God and He had to represent God to man as well as he would become the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, what you have to understand when it comes to to representing someone, you have to represent them truly. Um, If, for example, Russia went into war with China and at one stage the leaders of Russia recognized, you know what, we were wrong. Uh, We're going to go back to China and, and we're going to tell them in humility that we were wrong. And, and we'd like to, to end this. Then you have to send a leader from Russia. He looks like a Russian. He speaks like a Russian. And he's got some form of authority to go and say this. You can't send someone from, from Kimberley in South Africa just to, yeah, you know, just go and tell the people there in, in China we're sorry. It won't work. You need to be a representative of the party you want to present. Now, Jesus wanted to take our sins upon himself to be a sacrifice in our place. And so he became 100% the human. And on that day when he was crucified, when he stood before the Father, he represented you and me 100%. He was like us in every way. But Jesus also had to be God 100% because here's the thing. If he was only a man the imputed sin from Adam would also be on him, which means he would also be born in sin. What that means is that he would need someone to die for his sin, or he would have to pay for his own sin with his life forever. But Jesus was able not only to represent us because he was like us in every way, he was also able to be born without sin. And what this means is because he was sinless, With his innocence, he could take the sin of the guilty upon himself. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. The perfect lamb could die for the many imperfect souls out there for you and me. 
Now, I want to focus a little bit deeper on three specific points about the humanity of Christ. We're not going to focus so much on his divine character today, uh, apart from the mentions I just made, but just we're going to look a little bit deeper into the humanity of Christ because what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to do today is when we go into our prayer rooms, into our times of prayer, and we experience these things that humans perceive, I believe that Scripture shows us that Jesus not only sends us his best wishes. He doesn't only say, mm, you know what, I, I, I back you. He walked in our shoes, which means there's no one better to pray for us, pray with us, or to intercede as we pray before the throne of the Father than Jesus himself. He is truly the one who walked and lived through everything you could possibly experience. Now, let your mind just go and, and, and just enjoy one or two of these points for a moment as it just breaks your, your brain. Luke 2 verse 7, speaking on this human body of Jesus, said, And Mary gave birth to her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, I'm a dad and I was there when my son got born. I'm telling you, there is few moments that speaks to being mankind than when a human being is being born. And isn't it amazing just to think for a moment, we read over these passages, that Jesus was literally born. He was born. His mother had to give birth to the baby. And when he came out, he wasn't speaking um, like a grown-up. And because he was Jesus, he wasn't like warm or didn't experience the trauma babies experienced. He had all those things. So his mother wrapped him, took care of him, a real human. Isn't that amazing? And Luke, and Luke um, uh, uh, 2 verse 40, it says, The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. He grew. And, and what that means is, is that Jesus... And he didn't get out of a womb and he wasn't running around from day one. He had to grow. His body grew. And he grew in, in his ability to think and feel and, and to, to work with concepts and think about it and communicate. He couldn't speak to his dad like a 17-year-old boy when he was six years old. Jesus grew. And people knew that. We're going to get to that a little bit later. It's interesting to see that uh, in John 4 verse 6, it explains how this body of Jesus functioned like a body like yours. It says, Jacob's well was there. That was when Jesus met the woman at the well. And so Jesus wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. He got tired. His body got tired. Jesus, uh, if Jesus were to play sport with the kids, when they, if they got thirsty, he would get thirsty. Um, he would get hurt, like 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 little boys, little girls gets hurt. He was he only had a human body. Isn't that amazing? Um, in Luke twenty three verse forty six, Jesus is on the cross and he says, "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." And having said this, he breathed his last. The last carbon dioxide went out out of his lungs because he had lungs, which took in to breathe air, oxygen, and 
And then the oxygen would go the path that it would go in your body. And mostly the carbon dioxide would be exhaled through the his pulmonary faculties. He had lungs and he's, he breathed his last on the cross. We sense that human body. And Jesus also had a human soul or a mind or a heart. This is a very hard one for us to get. It says in John 12 verse 27, Jesus says, My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And then he says, but for this purpose, I've come to this hour. And so he has, he's got this plan that God has laid before him. But he says, I'm troubled. And he's, he goes through the same thinking when you, like when you and I are in a difficult situation and we now have to fight for our peace. In the same way, Jesus knows how that feels. When Jesus saw the people crying at the tomb of Lazarus, the scripture says in John 11 verse 33, when he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was greatly troubled. Now that, that, that idea of being deeply moved in the writing, in the Greek writing, tries to give you the idea that when you hear the news of something and it hits you not here but actually in your intestines and it's like the wind gets knocked out of you in the same way Jesus was moved by these things that happened it's amazing to know Jesus also had age appropriate growth pains in Hebrews 5 verse 8 it says although he was a son he learned obedience through the things that he suffered and what scripture is trying to tell us that Jesus grew, in Afrikaans we'd say, met stampa in stuerte. He, he made mistakes, not that he sinned, but he grew, suffered, learned, succeeded. Age appropriately, and that means for us also that, for example, Jesus' dad would not have sent him as a four-year-old to go and bargain for cattle at the market in the town square, because a four-year-old is not capable of doing that. A four-year-old can pick up things around the home. He can be obedient. He can sit still at the table when they eat. He can maybe start to wash a dish. But he cannot do business in a town square. In the same way, Jesus grew as a child would grow. Jesus, fully God and fully man. Isn't that amazing? And and just to tell you, people knew. People knew this about Jesus. Um, when he came to his Hometown in Matthew 13, verse 55. Look at what the people say. They were astonished. And then and some of them said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? We know the man. He grew up there. He's the carpenter's, He's the carpenter's son. They say, see him. Jesus was a man. What does it mean for me and you today? The fact that Jesus was fully human was not by accident. It has great meaning for your prayer life. And I just want to touch on three things today. It's not a long sermon, but I, I pray that the effects will be, will be long-term in your life and that it will be very impactful starting today. The first thing I want to say is that Jesus is fully connected to your life and reality. Not only because he cares and he, he wants to understand, but because he walked in your shoes. I want you 
Let's, let's start with this. I want you to know today, if you've got a pain in your body, Jesus knows. When you pray, he not only listens, but it's like he prays with the same groaning and pain you have because his body was broken. His body was broken. This human body we spoke about was so broken at one stage that when they crucified him, he could not carry his own cross. He was too broken. Another man carried it. He knows how it feels to be in bodily pain. So when you pray to him, know that you are connected with the one who loves you most, but also understands to a very deep level what you are going through. And he's ministering to you during those prayers. If you are suffering from a broken heart, a broken friendship, a broken relationship, I want you to know that Jesus exactly knows what a human feels like when their heart gets broken. And he understands it more because this man never sinned. You and I have some kind of sin, some kind of sin in our lives. So when bad things happen to us and people forsake us and hurt us, there's a place in us where sometimes we think, you know what? I'm not 100% innocent here. Maybe, maybe that person was wrong, right? People do sin against others. But here's a man, 100% innocence, innocent. And his friend forsakes him sells him out for money. This man, 100% innocent, hangs in your place, in my place on the cross, and his father forsakes him. He buries a friend, John the Baptist. He sees his friend die, Lazarus. Jesus knows what a broken heart feels like. And I want you to know, even if you feel like you are alone, I want to tell you that you are not alone. And when you pray, he leans in and he remembers. He is with you. When you are excited, if today maybe you just want to pray prayers of thanksgiving, know that he understands. He had friends. He loved them. He laughed with them. He spent time with them. He ate with them. Know that he loves it. When you are also full of joy, he knows what that feels like. He knows what it feels like, the tension, the worry about, am I able to feed my family? He knows. He was in that situation. Jesus is connected to your reality when you pray. He's in your prayer room. The second thing I want to say is that as you intercede, as you pray, he intervenes our intercessor the one that goes between god and ourselves because he was man fully man and perfect he was able to take our sin on the cross and give us his righteousness but what he also can do is as you pray through specific worries he intervenes through transactions as you say lord i want to say sorry for the way i spoke to my husband, I can't believe I said that, or the way I spoke to that person at work, or Lord, I lost my temper as a dad. Jesus is there to say, I know the word that you spoke was wrong, but when I was on earth, I spoke with perfect words. I'll give you my words in front of the Father, and I'll take yours away again. I'll wash you clean. If you feel filthy because of something you did, Jesus is there to say, I'm here, I understand. You are right. And you do need to confess you did sin. And therefore you are sinful. But here's the thing. My life was perfect and spotless before the Father. You can have mine 
And let me take your guilt away from you. Our intercessor not only relates, but transacts. And what happens is we get peace. I want to say that you don't, if you've asked God for the forgiveness of your sins, please don't worry that if you feel guilt, it meant that you've lost your salvation. No, it just means that he's calling you nearer for relationship as he wants to give you new peace again. He died for your sins and he loves you and he's constantly calling you closer to receive peace from him as you grow. As he grew through the things he learned and suffered, so will you and I, and often through repentance. And then lastly, what I want to say today is that Jesus not only relate and not only gives you peace, which makes you feel at peace, but then he gives you power. He empowers you. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And so he clothes you with strength. He also says in John 10 verse 10, even though the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I come to give you life and life abundant. So Jesus not only brings you to a neutral place in your prayer life, he, he brings you to a place where he takes your sin, he gives you peace, but then he clothes and empowers you and sends you out so that you can rise up and live for him. Rise up and live. We saw this when we were looking a few weeks back in our church, when, 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 when God spoke to Joshua after the tragic death of Moses, he, uh, the nation was in turmoil and the words to Joshua was, rise up, rise up. And after praying, after being on our knees, connecting with our maker, the one that relates, the one that takes our sin, it's then time to rise up. And like Jesus was raised from the death, at the end of your prayer time, rise up in strength. He loves you. Our God that is fully God was fully human. So that when you pray, what happens in the heavens is supernatural and was divinely planned by God. So that your prayers are powerful. And Jesus is right there in your prayer room. Get on your knees as soon as you get an opportunity and pray with this idea that he is right there relating, transacting, and causing you to rise up and do amazing things. You can do it. You can do it. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.